Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Weldon Johnson, welcoming you to a special edition of Let's Run.com Track Talk, a world cross-country preview from Beyond China. I'm co-founder Weldon Johnson in Texas, joined by the brains of the organization, Jonathan Galt in Boston. Hi, John. How are you doing? Good. And we have the privilege to welcome you from via the wonders of modern telecommunication, the most controversial man in track and field journalism, the one and only the man who had Budweiser and Burger King yesterday at the Shanghai airport, our very own Rojo, coming to you from Guiyang. Robert, are you there? Ni hao. Zhao Sheng hao. Hello. Uh, good morning. Wow, impressive. Did you pick that up today? Uh, Google Translate in front of my screen, my face. I know uh, three, well, four words, but two of them are repeat words, so three words in Chinese. Well, we're glad you made it to China and glad you're able to do this show. Sounds like you've had a pretty incredible day so far today. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The uh, just just came back from having some smoked mackerel for breakfast. This uh, hotel that we're media at is is quite incredible. I, I was thinking about uh, expense accounting the entire Team USA for breakfast. Um, they were complaining about the food at their hotel, saying they were tired of eating sort of pseudo meat. Here we have bacon. I'm with whatever you want. So uh, definitely living the high life here. So you're a better hotel than them. But it wouldn't cost you very much either. Distance runners don't eat very much. Well, tonight's show should yeah, be a good I one. I, I asked them bre- breakfast prices are about 25 bucks a person. So maybe I was going to pick whichever team we thought had the best, but I probably wouldn't want to eat a big breakfast the day of the race. But uh, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Tonight's show, I guess it's the morning show for you, Robert, should be a good one. Just to give you guys a little overview, we're going to pre- preview both the men's and women's races and then focus on the U.S. chances. We have some interesting audio from Chris Derrick and Renato Canova and who knows what else we have in store. We may have employee 1.1 joining us with a little editorial on the side about Justin Gatlin, but the focus is going to primarily be cross-country. Then get much better than that. Um, we should begin with what I call the world's greatest foot race. That's the men's senior race at the World Cross Country Championships. 12 kilometers, open to all comers from any distance with only one champion. You know, the greats like Haile Gebrus Lassie never could win this race. So it, it's, you know, it's a hard, hard nut to crack. And taking a look at the men's race, let's, let's turn to John, who did a lot of work on our previews. John, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a stretch to say it should be a Kenyan and Ethiopian affair. 
Yeah, I think, you know, team-wise and in terms of the top individuals, the top talent is coming from Kenya and Ethiopia. Um, Kenya's led by two very good runners, um, Jeffrey Kamwaro, a.k.a. Jeffrey Kipsang. He was the uh, World Health Marathon champ last year, um, and he also won the Kenyan Police Champs in January, which is always a competitive cross-country race. And then there's also Bedan Kuroki. Um, he was sixth in the 10K at Worlds in 2013. He was fifth at the 2012 Olympics. He ran 26.52 last year at Pre, and he uh, he won the Kenyan Trials for the second year in a row um, uh, last month. So those two, I think, are really going to be formidable. And, you know, in Ethiopia, you've got a two two guys who are really 5K studs. Muktai Idris, who was uh, the world leader last year, former world junior champ. He ran 12.54. And then uh, Hagos Gebrewet, who was the champion of the junior race in 2013 at World Cross Country. He has PRs of 730 and 1247, and uh, he's the reigning silver medalist in the 5K at Worlds. So I think, you know, th- those are four guys who are really, really good. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they won't all put it together in a cross country race. There's a few other individuals from other countries who I think are good, but. Uh, who could challenge them. But I think those guys are really, you know, the most talented individuals in the field. I'm wondering, do you guys have a favorite out of those four or is there some other runner that you're going to be watching, you know, in terms of the individual win? I think those are the four guys to watch. It's kind of crazy. I don't think Kenyon has a sub 13 guy on its teams. Is that right? Uh, I don't believe they do. Going by the PRs I have, the best is, uh, 13-12 by Ken Worrell, but like he's mainly a half marathoner these days. Like he actually ran the Bowling Marathon uh, last year. I believe he was fourth. So, you know, he's not really a track guy anymore. I take it back. They don't even have a sub-13-10 guy. I mean, just it just shows sort of the emphasis in the sport and how it's really shifted to the longer distances, at least on the Kenyan side. I mean... A lot of the guys just quickly jumped to the half marathon and marathon. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a few of these guys, like Kuroki, I have no doubt, if he really focused on 5K, he'd be able to run 13.0, sub-13. But, you know, he he knows that unless you're really like a Farrer or Gebrowet type in the 5K, it makes more fiscal sense to run uh, run road races and half marathons, marathons. Rojo, I know you. Yeah. I mean, I, I traveled with Mutori Mutwata, the Kenyan journalist, and he kind of gave you some insight into the Kenyan team. And you know, one of the beauties of the World Cross Country Championships is, you know, you do have journalists from all over the world come, and a lot of them come first and foremost as fans for their individual countries. And uh, this is one thing I sort of picked up actually at the Kenyan Championships. I mean, at the World Cross Country Championships in Kenya in 2007 in Mombasa, a lot of the journalists, the, the race they really care about is the men's race, but I, really what they care about is having the men's individual champion. And so did Robert, did he give you any sort of insight into, you know, how the Kenyan team's looking? And also I know the, the weather's always a concern for those guys. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, I don't know. Bus ride in. We we got in around midnight. And we're taking a bus about two o'clock back to the hotel. And his big concern was definitely the weather. He's like, you know, the Kenyans. We don't run well 
we can run well in the snow, but we don't run well in the rain. Don't ask me why. But um, he was very concerned about the slop. Um, and, and, you know, I think my biggest insight came from about an hour-long conversation I had yesterday with Renata Canova, and he was very much focused on that as well. Um, you know, he says that when they run in Kenya or, or Ethiopia, it's always, you know, rock hard in, in the cross-country races, whereas the, you know, northern European races in, in the U.S., it's often muddy. Um, so, you know, on that front, I mean, I think both of those guys, Mutueri and Renato were, you know, obviously Kip Singh and, or Kamawar and, and, um, and, you know, karaoke are, are, are the top two on paper, but, um, you know, Leonard Bar, Barsatan was, was the guy that, that Canova was really high on. Um, he was second in the world junior race two years ago. And that's when Hagos Gabriela of Ethiopia won it. You know, Hagos had already run like 1246 or 1247, and he was pushed to the line by Barcetone because, um, you know, so that, and that was sloppy. So he's sort of the one Kenyan that's really proven himself in the mud. Um, and, you know, you guys were talking about the 5K PRs, and that's what I was thinking about. You know, we had that stat up of which team has the most sub-13, sub-27, sub-207, sub-60 guys. And Ken, Ethiopia had four of those guys, and Kenya only had two. But Canova um, was very unimpressed with the Ethiopian team. I mean, he, he thinks that the 5K focus, quite honestly, isn't really good for cross-country. I mean, we need to remember, this is 12K. And if it's muddy, it's going to run more like a 15K. So it's definitely more, you know, suited to the longer guys. Um, and, and that was a big emphasis for them. He really was critical of the, of the Ethiopian training. Um, you know, sort of the guys that went, that went one, two in the Ethiopian trials were not the most credentialed guys on the track. Um, one of them had just come off of a half marathon. So the strength guys won. He thinks that, that the Ethiopian team is sort of, you know, they've been forbidden to race and they've been on the track since December 31st. So he did not think that was a proper way to train. I mean, the, the conversation we had with him about, you know, we, we wonder why, you know, American, you know, Galen Rupp can medal. And it, a lot of it seems like the, the Africans, you know, are kind of doing this and making the same training mistakes that sort of the United States was making 15 or 20 years ago. In terms of not running enough and focusing on too short a distance. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of these, you know, we've, we've heard about it a lot in the past where they had these training camps and it's sort of a way for a coach to justify his existence and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we're going to have a lot more about this next week, you know, when I talk to other things about Canova, but, you know, Kenanisi Bakile is, you know, arguably the greatest track runner in history and the greatest cross-country runner. I think he's won, what, 16 golds or something. Um, you know, and the most, the thing that Canova said that most stunned, you know, Canova's now coaching him, and the thing that most stunned him about him was, you know, the fact that um, he only, uh, the most he ever ran as a professional was 130 kilometers a week. I mean, that's not even 80 miles a week. So the, the mileage just isn't there. And he really thinks you need to be a strength guy, particularly in cross country. Um, he think, he said that the reason why Bikili was able to set all those world records and dominate for so long was he had a massive lifetime base. I mean, he really was one of those African guys that was running to and from school. It was 10, five kilometers there, five kilometers back. Um, and then playing soccer for two or three hours a day from age five to 16. So, you know, for those 11 years, he was certainly running 20, probably 25 kilometers a, a day. So he had, you know, hundred mile weeks, <laughs> but it was all when he was an early, you know, a kid, an early teen. Um, and then sort of, yeah, pretty much. And then, um, you know, he, the, 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 the stuff that he was, 
doing on the track. And, and sort of as time has gone on, that base has, has dissipated. Um, and now he finally has realized, and you know, with his struggles of late, that he needs to run a lot more. Canova got him up to 180 kilometers a week um, for his, his marathon training. He, he's hoping to get him to 200. Um, but he was very, very bullish on Kenanisa. I mean, he, it was really um, quite inspiring. He said he, he's, he's fully motivated. Once again, he said he kind of struggled with motivation for about two years there, um, had some financial issues and business dealings going on. And, um, you know, now that he's training, you know, he, he thinks that he can, if he can get this Achilles issue fixed, can be a real force. He, he said if, if that can get fixed, he might even have something to say still in the 10,000 meters down the road. So um, he really thought he was going to break 204 in Dubai, and Canova sort of blamed himself for that got him a couple of massages the week of the race to try to flush out any Achilles problems he was having. And he thinks that just irritated the problem. Well, the, the, just the idea of the KOA running to the track, uh, I assume excites, I mean, every track and field fan, how could you not want that? And, you know, I don't know, Mo Farah, you know, has shown that guys can perform at an older age on the track. I mean, it's just in, in the modern professional era, I think the sort of age limits that we used to put on people on doing well on the track or has definitely changed. I, I think, you know, you look maybe at the, the Olympics or the World Championships in London, Mo Farah's home soil, if uh, if Bekele comes back and sort of, he, you know, Farah was kind of the guy who ended his dominance and he took over the role of the dominant figure in the long distance races on the track, if he can somehow come back from the dead and, you know, win a gold medal, that one of those meets, maybe beating Farah, you know, how great a story would that be? I think I think that would be uh, just an incredible showdown, even if they, he doesn't end up winning. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get any better than that. Um, but, you know, the, I think Bekele is kind of a, a good person to talk about because... I don't know, he has had success on a lot of different multiple services, and it just shows but tremendous success on the track where some guys don't. Um, so it'll be, you know, interesting to see what the conditions are like on Saturday. So the race is, everyone just gets yes. your, it's Saturday morning, or Saturday at noon uh, Chinese time, which is Friday at midnight on the East Coast, and Friday at, you know, 9, 9 p.m. on the West Coast. So those on the West Coast can watch it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, let me interrupt you about Bekele. I mean, when, when Canova was talking about Bekele, um, you know, he, he said that um, he was really the only, uh, he said he thought that he was like the only athlete that he's ever seen that, that can adapt, to, that doesn't struggle to adapt to, to a certain surface. He said he had perfect balance. I mean, you know, he's got really sort of big legs and thighs and, and he's real powerful so he can he can handle the mud and that's why he was so dominant in cross country for all those years. Um, but then also when he's on the track, he can be lightened on his toes and just, just roll. Whereas, you know, Haile Gebrselassie sort of really would struggle more in terms of cross country. Um, Canova cited a year when he claimed that Gebrselassie had a 30 meter lead with two or 300 meters left and ended up losing by two or 300 meters because he couldn't take it in in the mud. So, um, you know, it definitely is a different runner. You know, I mean, look who won last time. And there were a lot of studs on the track two years ago. And sort of, you know, John pointed out in the preview, Jaffa career was your winner, um, totally unheralded. 
Um, when I talked to Mutuari Matoto about that, I said, how in the world did that guy do that? And he said, well, you know, it's just a magical day for him. You know, he was just right. Um, and, and that's what one thing Mutuari was talking about with the Kenyans and sort of the weather. And he's like, you know, it's either, he, he, he said it's sort of all or nothing. He's like, they either have, a, the weather is either good or it's bad. You know, I either feel really good or I just feel bad. Um, so he sort of thought it was sort of, you know, feast or famine. Um, whereas, uh, one of the things, you know, coach Canova was talking about, uh, Chris Derrick, and I'm sure we'll talk about him later is that, you know, he's incredibly consistent. Nothing's going to phase him. Um, you know, it's just a sort of a slightly different approach, you know, to, to racing, I think. Yeah. And two years ago, the world cost hundred champs were in Bogdash, Poland. The conditions were, I don't know, per- horrible, or I guess you could say perfect cross country weather. I mean, there was snow up on the mountains. It was muddy as hell. It was a, it was a true race, and I think that's some of the beauty of cross country is that it sort of equalizes the field and gives other guys a chance. Whereas you put guys on a, on a track, and uh, you know, I, I think one of the problems with with track and field as a spectator sport is that the favorite wins such a huge majority of the time, and most people like a little suspense, a little uncertainty in sports. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, well, cross country certainly offers that. Like like Robert said, Jeff at Korea, I think his PR was 13.11 for 5,000 meters. And, you know, he didn't run faster than that after he won World Cross either. It's basically, if you get to, you know, that 13.15, 13.10 range in the 5K, for that, you know, if that's your PR, you're in a conversation at World Cross Country. It really comes up to how good of a cross-country runner are you. You know, like Chris Derrick, we wouldn't really be talking about him meddling in the uh, in the 10,000 at Worlds, but, you know, put him in a cross-country course and, you know, suddenly he's in the conversation. It's just you you really, you know, it's unpredictable. You don't know what you're going to get. And no one thought that the U.S. was going to have two guys in the top 10 last time out and end up getting the silver medal. But, you know, you get a couple guys who are good enough, and Ben True and Chris Derrick are certainly good enough to run, you know, be competitive on the world scene. You get a couple guys like that and you throw them on a cross-country course, you really have no idea what's going to happen. I think that's what makes it so exciting because, yeah, you know, if Mo Farrow is in this race, I don't know if Mo Farrow would win because, and how often do you say that if he was on a track, in a track race right now? Uh, yeah, you, you don't say it. Um, if, you know, that's what, what the beauty of, of, cross country is and i think why so many people you know love this race and why robert went there from china and we've gone to it for so long it's just that i think pure distance runners they've always grown up sort of loving this race and looking forward to it and seeing seeing what happens even if the stature of it's down a bit and we can talk a little bit you know about that later um but you know it's interesting that that you mentioned mo farah because uh, renato had some interesting comments on how far it would do here. Um, let's try to listen to this. We'll see if we can patch in that audio. Hold on one second. I guess keep talking. That's a little soft. Um, John, Robert, talk for one second. I'll get this fixed. Robert, you were talking to... to um, Renato about this, so give us a little intro. Yeah, well, one thing, and again, 
you know, I'm going to elaborate this on an article next week, but, you know, one of the things that I didn't know was basically that was that uh, Canova coached Farah, I think from October of 2009 to October of 2010, or maybe it was 2010 to 2011. Um, so he's got a lot of experience with him. And, you know, I asked him if he would win the race and he said, well, you know, if it's real cross country, I don't think so. He said maybe the conditions of the course was four years ago when it was rock hard, Farah, you know, could win that. But, He's a, you know, a relaxed runner that likes to be, you know, he's a guy that likes to be relaxed when he's racing and, and sort of have a, you know, easy toe off. And um, it looks like it's going to be wet and, and, and muddy here. So he didn't think that that would happen. Um, he thought also he was thought that Thur was getting a little bit too much publicity for his 59.32. He's like, of course he can run 59.32. But, um, you know, Fafara actually made a joke about the ventilating, ventilin calculator. He, he didn't, he wasn't that impressed. He thought converting it to 10,000, I mean, uh, Canova's uh, conversion chart isn't isn't as isn't as generous as most people. He said, I think he could be multiplied by 96.5% or something like that. Um, I didn't quite understand how he meant, but uh, you know, he he said uh, he didn't think it was all that fast for for 10,000. So you know, he he thought that you know it kind of it, it depends on on the conditions, and that's one of the things you know y'all were talking about. I've always said that one of the problems that the sport has is an inherent problem. I mean, in the NFL. When I watch a game, even a bad team can beat the best team in the NFL because of an interception or a fumble. You know, I've always said running doesn't have interceptions, but um, you know, cross country kind of does. It's got it's got the course conditions. You can go down on a hurdle, or you can go down on a mud mud fall. Um, so it definitely makes it a little bit more interesting. And you know, it, it's kind of neat that you know no one's even seen the course. I mean, none of the runners um, have have been out there. Um, actually, just this morning, we finally got the course. Uh, distance is actually going to be 11,970 meters for the men, 8,010 meters for the senior women, 80,010 for the junior junior men, and uh, 60,030 for the for the junior women. So you know it varies a little bit. I, I kind of like how it's not exactly you know 12,000 meters. Um, so it, it should be exciting. Any progress with that? Well, you figured out. Holden? Uh, let's try the audio again one more time. Well, Farah is one that uh, uh, having total relaxation, you know, in his uh, type of running, uh, needs uh, consistent uh, uh, surface for, for uh, using his technique. So, personally, I don't think that the Farah could be uh, competitive 100% in a close match. If the cross is like uh, two years ago, no, four, four years ago, was like a track, no track and win. But uh, in the cross, look what happened with Ida. Ida never was able to, to win a cross country, also when it was very much stronger than the other in, in uh, right value in 10,000 meters. I remember. That was Renato talking about Farah and kind of comparing him to Haile Gebrselassie, and it's not bad bad company to be in. But I think I don't know about at all. I mean, I wanted to say a, 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 a few other things, you know, about, you know, Farah. Um, you know, because Canova had a few other interesting comments. Um, you know, he, he, I'm looking at my notes, actually. He did coach him from October 2009 to 2010, and then he said he sent his entire training regimen to Steve Magnus. So <laughs> Salazar Magnus got all of, you know, he done with, with Farah. I think that year he ran 12:57, and, and um, Canova said he was in better shape than that, 12:53. But you know, one of the things that that the Canova talked to me about was sort of the decline of track of the even the 5,000 and 10,000 on the track. You know, the money has gone to the roads, 
you know, he said if, if Mo was in this shape 10 years ago, no one would be, would be surprised by it. And, and you know, totally awed by it. You know, he said that when he was coaching world, world record holder in the steeplechase Shaheen, that when Shaheen first ran a 5,000, he ran 1248, you know, which is, is pretty remarkable. Um, so, you know, nowadays, um, you know, Canova was saying it's just so hard to make a living on on the track. You know, he said that back, you know, 10 years ago when Shaheen was running, when he was going for a world record, they would pay the rabbits $22,000 total with the last rabbit getting 12000 $12, of that. He says now in the Diamond League, it's very standard. The first rabbit gets $1,500. The second rabbit gets $3,000. So not nearly as much, but 3000 is the same prize money as fourth place. And he says, you know, you can go to Europe, you can run 12:55 and actually lose money. He said a few years ago, I think when Bikili was coming back, Bikili went to Paris or something like that. It might have been Monaco. I think it was Paris. Ran like 12:56 and he was ninth place. And he says that a normal runner, you know, not named Bikili, would lose $500 for that. He says the meets give you $700 in travel money from Ethiopia. They don't ask for a plane ticket; they just give you that money. But he says it costs about $1,200 to fly there. So you know, and there's no appearance money. And if you're 1256 and you're whatever place he was, ninth place or 12th place or something like that, you don't get any prize money. So you would actually lose money. Now, but Keeley's one of the few guys apparently that still gets a tiny appearance fee. Um, but, you know, he, he's he been working with Caleb Ndiuki. Um, You know, Ndiuki won their world indoor title, won basically every 5,000 last year. And he says that he didn't get a single appearance fee the entire summer last summer, except one time when he ran on a Strava and he got like $3,000. So even a world champion is not getting an appearance fee. So, we you know, someone like that can pick up $10,000. Caleb and Dookie, even wow. though he's winning everything. So, you know, someone like that, you know, can, can um, you know, if, if, if they're struggling, you know, basically, you know, what he said is like, look, you can go to just a halfway decent half marathon and, and you know, pick up that pretty easily, um, three or $4,000, you know, or you've got to get top four in the Diamond League which is obviously a lot harder to do. Um, so, you know, it, it was definitely, you know, interesting. And then he said, you know, talked about the marathon, you know, he said that, um, you know, some of these guys are getting $400,000 just to show up, you know. Um, so, they, they, you know, the, the appearance fees are just so... 400000 um, for for maybe a top star. And um, so I think that was the figure. But, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, he, we talked, we did, he also talked about Mo Farah's marathon training, and he was pretty critical of it. He said he didn't even really think Farah really trained for the marathon, even the money was so great, or if he did train, it wasn't proper training. But he said he saw Farah do a, um, a, a 300 in um, 39 seconds in February. So he said, you know, if you're preparing properly for the marathon, you don't run a 300 meters in 39 seconds in February. So <laughs> it didn't, certainly didn't surprise him that um, – you know, that he, his, the Ferris first marathon wasn't fantastic. He thought perhaps he was just trying to break the, uh, you know, the British record, um, in, in that attempt. But, uh, you know, when I asked Canova about, I said, well, you know, can a 328 guy actually be good at the marathon? Could someone's range extend that far? And, you know, Canova certainly thought so. I mean, he, he, he didn't think that Ferris 328 was all that shocking. He's like, you know, look at Gabriel Celeste. He ran 331 indoors. He's like, the Keeley ran, you know, 333 when he was a teenager. He's like, do you think these guys, if they were in that same type of race, couldn't run 328? And he's like, of course they could. They just never tried. So, you know, that, that was one of the things that um, Canova really, he's even, he thinks that the Africans, the top African runners aren't anywhere near their potential. 
And, you know, he, he said that Haile Gabriel had never even had a massage until the year 2000. Bikili never got a massage until the year 2005. Um, he says that, you know, he's not really even physical therapists at all in the countries. Um, you know, he said in, in China, where he's really struggling here, he said, you know, there's no such thing as a physio. He's like, everything involves a needle. If you're hurt, they want to give you acupuncture. Um, so he's had Bikili actually getting treatment from a Boston physical, physical therapist guy. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, Joe McConkey. So, you know, it, it, it's it, the name Damon Rupp never came up in, in our conversation. But, you know, if, if people are wondering, like, well, you know, how are we beating the Africans finally? Well, you know, th- th- there's people like Chris Garrick or Damon Rupp, you know, and they're, they're, they're living and training in a fully professional um, situation. Whereas a lot of Africans are sort of, you know, not in that type, same type of situation. He said there's only been a few guys that he's seen that, you know, from Africa have been fully professional. He mentioned Wilson Kipsing. Um, you know, Kipsing is obviously the, the biggest star there is right now in the marathon. And he's like, he's in the gym three times a week. He's getting two massages a week. He said Elliot Kipchoge is similarly dedicated. And then he mentioned Shaheen in the past. So um, really some fascinating stuff out there. Well, well, I think I've uh, been trying to get in. Uh, uh, are, yes. Are, Before we move on to talk about the U.S. chances, uh, you know, we've got 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, Steve, can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah, I'm unmuted now. Thanks. Welcome to the call, and, and be prepared. We, we, you, you may be uh, called upon for your rant on Justin Gatlin. All if right. We, well, I, I'm here waiting. We, if we decide to touch on non-cross-country topics. But, but, the, but the guy leading the U.S. chances here is a guy who's been training in Flagstaff, where Steve lived till uh, last year, and that's uh, Chris Derrick. He was 10th um, two years ago at the championships. He used to be three-time defending U.S. cross-country champion, this time in dominant fashion. And he c- comes into these championships in great form, Hoping to do better, John. You know, how do you how do you see his chances here? You know, um, I I think his chances depends what you're asking for. Is he going to be is he going to be threatening for the win? Probably not. I think even on his best day, you know, on his absolute best day, Chris Derrick has a, a very very small chance to win, but it exists, which is more than you can say for most runners. But in terms of meddling, I think the chances. I think I put it about 10% in my preview. Maybe I was selling him a little short. I think he's, you know, he's he's a very smart runner. He doesn't make a lot of tactical mistakes. So you're going to see him just sort of hanging there in the pack and trying to hold on. But, you know, if I had to pick a place for him, I'd probably say, you know, fifth or sixth. I I think, you know, he was 10th two years ago. And I would say he's a better runner now than he was two years ago. Um, He, you know, like there, there are some very good runners out there, but again, if the course is sloppy, I think that favors him because, you know, in the American system, I'm sure he's got more experience on those kind of courses than uh, than some of the Africans. You know, it's going to be tough. He's up against guys. There's like Teklamari and Medine from Eritrea, um, Timothy Troitich from Uganda. There's, you know, several guys. Those guys were both top five last time out. Um, so. You know, it's going to be very difficult, but I think he's one of about, you know, probably 10 guys who have has a shot to medal. Um, and that's, you know, that's really more than you can say for any American in the past, you know, 
20 or 30 years at this race. So uh, I'm excited to see how he does. I'd probably go with fifth or sixth if I had to choose a place, but a medal is certainly not out of the question. I must admit, when you said he had 10% chance of getting top three, I thought you were nuts. You know, I thought the, the conditions in Poland really favored the U.S. team. But, you know, then Robert gets to China, and he, he talked to Renato, who was very bullish on uh, Chris's chances. And let's try to listen to what Renato said about uh, Chris Derrick. With this type of course, I, I, I think that uh, Chris can really run him back. No, because uh, uh, if I remember, uh, he was always good when uh, the, the, the course is a little bit heavy, no? and uh, uh, is very consistent uh, also mentally. He's one that uh, uh, not very fast, uh, like a speed, but uh, very had a, a big level of endurance, also strength endurance. And uh, I think that is uh, the main qualities for being competitive here. I am not surprised if, uh, if Chris can arrive very, very close and medal in individual. Really? There it is. I wouldn't be very surprised if Chris was close to getting a medal. And you can kind of hear the, really, from Robert. A little bit of shock well, there, Robert. Yeah, Walden, Walden, you're supposed to cut me off before that. Now, next time I see Derek, he's going to get mad at me that I was shocked that Coach Canova was saying <laughs> he could medal. But, uh,. Hey, we, got we got to expose the truth here. I mean, you can't be buddy buddy with Chris. No, and then I, 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 I sat down with Chris. I sat down with Chris and offered to have him come over to my hotel and eat and to find food and acted like I was his man and he was my boy. And you know, now I'm exposed. Well, speaking of uh, you sitting down with Chris, I think it makes sense to hear. From his mouth directly, you know, how he thinks about his chances here. Overall, I'd say preparation has been good, and I, I couldn't ask for much more in that regard. Um, you were tenth two years ago. What's the goal for Saturday? Uh, I mean, I'd like to better that for sure. Um, you know, in spending a lot of time running by, my, you know, doing two-hour runs or whatever by myself in Flagstaff, you start daydreaming about being tired and that. But I think, you know, realistically, I ran – really good race last time I was here and conditions favored me perhaps a little more than some of the Africans. Um, and some things are different. I mean, Bahrain, I think it's sending a team this year, so you got guys like Albert Roth and a couple other transplants we can in here, whatever, who are pretty good runners. Um, that was good last time. Um, you know, so I think there's probably, you know, maybe six or seven guys, six eight guys that credential-wise are definitely on uh, you know, a level above me and then another 10 to 15 guys who are around my level. Um, you know, so I think I'd like to just go out with the main pack and try to beat as many of those guys as I can. Um, I don't know what that's going to end up being. I think the course conditions will play a factor in that. But There it is. I think it was a very, you know, reasoned assessment of his chances, you know, this weekend. It, it was very, I think, you know, optimistic, but at the same time, Realistic, you know, he realizes that there's guys who are of slightly higher quality of him in the race, and that things might have gone as well, you know, gone his way last time. But he's a better runner than he was. Anything can happen, and you know, third place and tenth place and twentieth place, you know, that can easily be the same guy. It just kind of depends on the day. It's, and I, it's Steve. He's still there. I mean, one thing that I really loved about what Chris said was, you know, when he said, you know, you're on those two-hour runs in Flagstaff, and you, you can't help but daydreaming. Um, and I know I did that when I was in Flagstaff. I would 
I don't know, envision myself winning. Uh, I swear I'd envision myself winning the Boston Marathon. And it was always, and I was realistic too. It was always some way like the way Meb did it last year. Like it's really hot. They let me get ahead. Um, so, you know, Steve, talk about a little bit about daydreaming and Flagstaff, maybe. Well, uh, you know, I think everyone that goes to Flagstaff, uh, that's pretty much the reason you go. You know, you're kind of dreaming big and. Um, you know, you don't, you don't go there, you know, I guess if you're, you know, if you're a pro, you go there for altitude training a stint, but if, uh, you know, if you're a scrub like me or someone who maybe like is on the edge of making the trials or something like that, you know, you move out there, um, to kind of get that big boost, you know, you dream all the altitude to make the difference and, you know, I can, I can be something. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you're around all these guys who are doing it. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's people that, you know, like Nick Arsinaga who lived there permanently, uh, you know, just ran 211 in the marathon. Um, you know, Diego Estrada, Olympian, uh, and you run with these guys and, you know, there's pros in town all the time and you're around it. You're like, oh, why can't I be, you know, why can't I be that? So yeah, of course you daydream every day. Um, <clears throat> I went there, you know, thinking I had a shot to make the Olympic trials. Uh, unfortunately that hasn't worked out so great for the marathon. Um, but you know. It's uh, it's kind of still a great experience and definitely worth it. Yeah, it's a magical place, Robert. It sounds like Derek's been training, you know, pretty much by himself. Is is that the case? Maybe we've got some technical problems and are missing Robert. John, you know, let's turn to discuss sort of the overall. Oh, hello. Yes, hello. hello. Robert. Yes. Let's... Sorry, I had you. I, I put you on mute while I was moving around the room. Um, yeah, he, he said he was out there by himself. I think that Jerry's other guys were getting out there maybe as he was leaving. Um, he said he did one or two runs with some other guys that were out there. But uh, for the most part, you know, he was by himself. And, you know, he seems like a guy that kind of likes to do his own thing and just hit his times and not think about it too much. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the problems that's sort of an Ivy League type runner, I mean, you know, being Ivy League graduates, all four of us ourselves, you know, Stanford isn't quite the Ivy League, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a great school, obviously. Sometimes people um, can overthink things, and, um, you know, that was one of the things that Canova talked about with Africans. He's like, they don't limit themselves, and, you know, it sounds like Derek just likes to do his thing, do exactly as prescribed, and not, you know, become paralyzed by overanalyzation. So, um, he was definitely happy with, with the way things went, went in flag, and, um, you know, is, is excited for the race on Saturday. Kind of on that mental aspect of it, like something, you know, you said the Africans, they kind of just, you know, they just go for it. They don't, aren't limited by, you know, what they've done in the past. Maybe, you know, maybe every guy in that Kenyan team thinks they have a chance to win it uh, tomorrow. But do you think Chris Turk might be uh, hindered a little bit because, you know, he's running for a team as well. I think people used to say when he was running for Stanford, you know, he never went into play across country. Some people would say like, oh, well, you know, maybe he never put himself in it because, he couldn't take that risk because he was, you know, fighting for a team spot. Um, you know, whereas if you're just an individual, you can, you know, kind of take a chance and go for it. And if you blow up, you blow up. But when there's a team championship on the line or a team placing, uh, you kind of have, you know, more of a responsibility. I think yeah, that's I don't really. I mean, I, I, I think that I think that's certainly the case at NCAA cross country level. I mean, you know, first of all, you score five there, and and. Um, I don't know. I, I think people play it safe more at the NCAA level because, you know, the coaching staff has you on scholarship and stuff like that. 
to be honest, I mean, maybe every once in a while a guy plays a little bit safe, but I, I think guys are going for broke. I mean, you're an individual, you're a pro, you're going to go for it. Um, you know, and I think Derek is such a strong runner, and this is going to run more like a 14K. I mean, he's got a good sense of what he can grind out and what he can't. Um, I mean, I, I think he's aware also that sometimes he leaves a little bit too much at the end. I mean, it was, you know, fascinating to me when, when I asked him, I said, where's your silver medal? He's like, I don't keep that silver medal. You know, it's in a closet. It's in a drawer somewhere. He's like, what I keep is the fourth place medal. You know, ironically, they give you a medal when you finish fourth at the Olympic trials. <laughs> you don't get a medal in the Olympics, but you get one when you miss the team for finishing fourth and to remind him of what he did wrong in 2012. And part of that was the actual race day tactics. He's like, I closed faster than anyone in that race, except for maybe Rupp, but he was just too far back. And he said that he sort of, he sold himself short going into the race. He had had a great track season. Everything had gone well. He, he, you know, he ran, he pointed this out. He ran 13, 20, um, he ran 13, uh, 1326 at NCAA indoors and 746 and did not win. He was second in both those races. So he was having a great season. Um, and then, you know, 2731 at Stanford in early April. And then he said he went out with a long run with Heath and, and just hammered it and, and was stupid and sort of that was too much. And um, he was able to, to, people forget this too, he's able to go to Pac 12s and win, um, get, get second in the 1500. And he beat Lowey in the 5000. He ran 1337 and won that. But he said after that, he had a lot of planner problems and sort of his training between the end of the collegiate season up until the trials wasn't good. So he sort of psyched himself out and thought that he didn't have a chance. When in reality, it's kind of like Bikile after all those years of all that base, it's still in you just because your last few weeks of training has you know been great or your last year doesn't mean that you still can't do well. So he didn't quite believe in himself there and he had more in the tank. So I think he's not going to be holding back. I mean, you know, a team medal would be nice. It'd be a little bit unexpected. I mean, someone's got to get third. It's going to be us or Uganda maybe or maybe Eritrea. But, you know, I think he's, you know, and he's not going to do something stupid where he ends up a DNF, but I, I don't think that the team thing is going to, going to impact him too much. I, I thought your talk with Chris was very yeah. interesting on a lot of levels. DNF, um, but I, I don't think that the team thing is going to, going to impact him too much. I, I thought your talk with Chris was very interesting on a lot of levels. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think that the team things are you know, impacting too much. I, I thought your talk with Chris was very interesting. Yeah, but I, I don't think that the team things are you know, impacting too much. Hello, you guys there? Yeah. yeah. You can have me was it was okay. repeating back, repeating back for some reason. Not sure what was going on there. John, let's turn to the you know men's U.S. team chances overall. Last time, you know, at the miracle on dirt, as we called it, the American team beat Kenya um, to get the silver medal, which is a tremendous performance. But you know, usually on the men's side, a medal, you know, America does not walk away with a medal. So talk a little bit about the men's chances, men's team chances. Yeah. Well, as I was putting together the preview, you know, I looked and. I'm like, well, we got, the Americans got second last time. They must have a pretty decent shot of the medal again this year if they're, they're second. But you look at history, and really, it's it's not very good for the American men. I think, you know, before that, they were uh, ninth, I believe, or seventh or something like that. And, you know, if you go further back, it's just, it, it's rare. 
you know, the lost American medal was quite a long time ago. And uh, it was the first one since 2001 and the first silver since 1984. And uh, it, it's it's just difficult, you know. Before, uh, the, yeah, the last few finishes, they were in the previous eight editions prior to 2013. They were 11th, 13th, 12th, 11th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 9th. And uh, so that second's certainly an outlier. But I think one of the things that's different from now and then uh, American distance running as a, as a whole is stronger. Um, you've got Derek and Ryan Vale both coming back. They both finished in the top 20 at World Cross last year. Uh, well, sorry, two years ago. So, you know, they've got experience. Uh, and then what really comes down to, I think, is, uh, you know, Bobby Curtis is going to be important for the Americans. He, he had a good race for the trials, um, and he's run – you know, 27, 24 for 10,000 meters. Uh, he was South America at the Chicago Marathon, lost full. Um, he, you know, I think he's going to be the key guy. If he can get a good race, if he can finish, you know, in the teams uh, or the top 20, you know, I think the U.S. is going to be well positioned. And then they need someone out of uh, Patrick Smythe, Andrew Colley, and Maxine Carlett to sort of step up because you can't have a a fourth man back in, you know, the, the high 30s or uh, low 40s, that's going to make it difficult to medal against uh, Eritrea or Uganda. So, you know, I I think the Americans, a medal would be uh, slightly overachieving. This isn't quite as strong a team as it was two years ago. I think Ben True, you know, maybe he didn't, he wouldn't have been as much help because this race is at altitude. He didn't run well at altitude at the trials, but, He's clearly in very good shape. He won the 15K a couple weeks ago, U.S. 15K championships. And uh, I, I think that he could have used his experience. He was sixth. You know, he knows how to do well. At, uh, he's, he's no stranger to the international scene. But I think really it comes down to what are the conditions going to be like. Because if, if it's really wet and really muddy, uh, I think that helps the Americans. It just gives them a better chance at uh, pulling an upset and it might slow down some of the Africans who might not be used to it. So I think Americans, they've definitely got a shot of the medal. I wouldn't say they're the favorites for third place, but uh, I think they're in the mix. It is amazing how strong this U.S. team is. I mean, you know, even without sort of Galen Rupp and some of the, some of the track guys, just the overall quality is much better than it was. And I think, you know, with four of the six guys scoring, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think guys can, you know, take more of a risk. And I think also the success in the past yep. encourages them to take that risk and lets them realize, like, hey, you know, maybe I can be top 25 or cross country or even better. I mean, last time they did tremendously better. But um, whereas I think, you know, until that mindset changes, people just go out there and, you know, get 50th place and go home happy. Yeah, it Absolutely. would be kind of cool if we ever got U.S. If we ever had the World Cross, if we had the World Cross ever in the U.S., maybe it would sort of, you know, I, I feel like the IWF should embarrass some of these other countries to come, and maybe we should embarrass if we had it in the U.S. All the top U.S. runners would have to come to this race. Um, you know, I'm not really sure this place out here in China is rough certified. I saw the Japanese team wearing masks at the airport, but um, you know, if you put Galen Rupp and Ben True at 13:02 and maybe Hassan Mead at 1302 and, you know, Ritz is obviously great across country. You know, that's what Canova said. He's like, if you guys ran your A team and you were totally focused, he's like, you know, not all the top Africans are here anymore. 
he thought the U.S. could challenge for gold. I mean, that would be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, Plus, was, um, you know, I guess we can put that on. You know, we got to raise about a million dollars in Kickstarter and try to try to host this puppy in the U.S. Maybe we can call it the Electron.com title sponsorship and uh, <laughs> see what we could do. Yeah, Canova's comments were, you know, very praiseworthy. United States. We actually have the audio of that. Let's take a listen. Uh, if uh, uh, United States, for example, no. in uh, the day or today, they put uh, all the best uh, together in a cross country, but with preparation on cross country, I am not sure that uh, Kenya can win. Because uh, really, the level, uh, African level of cross country go, went down, no? because uh, many of the best are no more interested in doing this. So, our young people without a big experience, and uh, also, don't forget that uh, every cross in Africa is always uh, dry, completely dry. So for them, uh, arriving on the map or something like this uh, can be a problem. I remember also in the past, uh, for example, in 2001. So there it is. Renato saying if the U.S. had its best team, he didn't think Kenya could win. Um, you know, that he was kind of assuming Kenya doesn't send, send its best team either. He doesn't send its best team, kind of sends the teams that they've been sending. That's just, you know, an amazing testament, I think, to where U.S. distance running is right now. But definitely, I would say, you know, the third best country in the world. And uh, some of people think there's a really big gap to the, to the top two, but the, the depth of the U.S. Is, is, is pretty amazing. And Robert Roy, you're saying, oh, let's get you up, you know, how, how does he medal, blah, 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 blah. Well, 26-44, you know, the ability to run that, that usually gets you a medal. So, you know, the absolute standard is amazing as well um do you guys have any you know final thoughts on, on the men's race before we turn to the women well uh, one one thing i mean we really i i think canova deserves a lot of praise i mean for the work that he's done with team china i mean the fact that they're going to be beating european powers like great britain spain italy <laughs> germany it's quite fantastic. I mean, it's really amazing that he could take a team with no tradition, no history, and they're absolutely going to trounce those teams on Saturday. Yeah, John's half British. John, how do you feel the Brits are going to be trounced by the by the Chinese? Um, I don't know if it really gets, you know, it, it, they're not showing up, so I don't know if that really counts as being trounced. You know, you can't, if you don't run, you can't lose, but... Uh, um, I'm disappointed they're not sending a team, but, you know, Mo Farah wouldn't be running. Andy Vernon is doing the Colts at 5,000. He's been hurt. So that's the top two guys. I don't think the Great Britain would have done that well anyway if they did send a team. But on the women's side, they won the Europeans. Yeah, correct. Well, what? That's right. And uh, I think the women don't really have an excuse because their top, their top woman uh Gemma Steele, she is running World XC. They're sending two women, so is it really that much? You know, I guess it is expensive getting a plane flight to China, but you'd think they're not sent, they're only sending a few senior men. I mean, why not send the women team? Right, you just need to send two more, and you can actually score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the cost. I know. I think the IWF subsidizes some of the poor teams, but it's definitely expensive. Sarah Hall told me her ticket was three thousand dollars to get over here. But um, one quick thing about the, about the teams, and you know, I, I was talking to someone at the IAAF and sort of said, "Why don't it be real simple to me? I, if I was IAAF, I would say, all right, London, you want to host the 2017 Worlds? You're going to send a team to World Cross Country every year, or maybe have the European trials 
championships just two weeks before World Cross, and automatically the top five teams go. You know, just that's your trot qualifier, and then boom, you send them. Um, you know, it's just mandated. It's not that hard. <laughs> and um, this person that I was talking to was like, well, you know, I think we'll have that, something like that. He thought big changes were in store when we get a new IDLF president. I mean, not that Diak is, you know, he's an old man, and, and sort of we, it's time for forward thinking and changing on that. Um, you know, I, I think in some ways maybe they ruin World Cross. They tried to make it more popular by having a short course and, a, you know, sort of diluting it. I think that ended up diluting it, the prestige of it. You know, I really think they should have it, you know, just the one, the, you know, the senior races and, and, and one champion and, and all of that. But um, anyways, we better move on to the women. We don't have a lot of time. We're going to try to keep this to an hour. Um, I've got to head off to the uh, press conference in about 50 minutes anyways. And then we're going to have our course tour. I will be, when I come back from the course tour um, this night, which I guess will be Friday morning for you guys in the U.S., updating you on, on what the course looks like, how wet it is. Um, we are expecting rain here about said up to about a half inch tonight. Um, the actual course is about 30, 45 minutes away, so we'll see how wet it is out there. But Weldon, or John, why don't you guys take the lead on this women's thing? Well, yes, we said you know, if we said that the men's race was expected to be, you know, an Ethiopian and Kenyan affair up front on paper, you know, those two teams contending for the title, the women's race is even more so, John. You know, tell us, you know, a little bit about the history of that it's it's just totally stunning. Yeah, the stats. Seventeen have lost, eighteen additions. Kenya and Ethiopia have gone one, two in some order. The only uh, team that broke that up was the United States in 2002. Um, which uh, I believe there were two, three in that race uh, with Colleen DeRoyk and uh, Dina, right? And uh, Dina Casta, yeah, that's right. So they, you know, they managed to. It was actually uh, pretty impressive that they were able to do that. Um, you had uh, Paul Radcliffe, I think, won the individual race. Yeah, the, so the top three was Paul Radcliffe, Dina Casta, Colin DeRoyk, no Africans at all. Um, so yeah, that, that was the only time, uh, since 1995 that Kenya and Ethiopia did not go one, two. And, uh, you know, looking at this year's race, I think it's certainly going to be the case that Kenya and Ethiopia are one, two again in some order. Um, you know, it, there's just Eritrea, Uganda, the, Uganda does have a team, but that women's running in that country is just not on the same level as men's running. Uh, and Eritrea, they're not sending a team. And again, a little bit behind the men's team uh, in terms of distance running in that country. So, you know, the American squad is not is not bad, but compared to the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, I think they're just, you know, it's a it's a there's a huge gap at this meet. Uh, and you know, you look at a couple of the specifics on the teams. Kenya, you know, on paper you would think Emily Cheva, who's the two-time champion. She won this race in 2010 and again in 2013. She's a defending champ. You'd think she'd be the favorite again, but she actually ran very poorly at the Kenyan trial. She was only 14th. And uh, that means, you know, she she had some success. She ran a, a few races before that. She won a cross-country race in Spain. And uh, I just wonder, you know, does it, does it mean, does it mean anything that she was 14th when she won the Two times before, I think she was only sixth and uh, fifth or fourth at the Kenyan trials. So she didn't win the Kenyan trials either of the years, but she won the championship. But uh, 
again, 14th, that wouldn't have gotten her on the team. So I think that's a little worrying. But, you know, you move on to a few other runners. They've got Janet Kisa, who was a medalist in the Commonwealth Games and the African Championships last year. Emily Trebet also medaled at both of those events. Um, Agnes Tirop, who's a two-time World Junior 5K medalist. Uh, the one th- the one runner that's missing, I think, if you add her to the team, that might have made Kenya the favorites with Faith Kipugon. Uh She won the Kenyan trials, a uh, very accomplished runner. I think you put her on the team, Kenya's probably the favorite. But uh, as it stands, I would probably give a slight edge to Ethiopia. They've got some very talented runners as well. Uh, the winner of the, Ken- the Ethiopian trials is Gennett Yalu. She's run 14.48 on the track for 5,000 meters. I think 5K times do mean a little bit more in the women's race since it's 8,000 meters as opposed to 12,000 meters. Um, there's also Belenish Algira, who is the bronze medalist at the World Championships in 10,000 two years ago. You got the World Junior Champion at 5,000, LME2, Heroy. So, you know, I think both of those teams have some very talented women. I think the winner of the race is going to be from Kenya or Ethiopia. I think, you know, in the men's race, there are a few guys from you know, Kenya, Uganda, maybe even Derek, if he runs out of his mind, that could could win. In the women's race, I think it's hard to see anyone outside of Ethiopia or Kenya taking that individual title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, John, you, you made some good points there. I, you know, it's a good talk here when you talk to people. I mean, one of the IWF people went to the Kenyan journalist, Mutwari Mototo, and said, I, and the Ethiopian journalist, and said, I give me your top three and, and sort of they were all in agreement. Um, he, he mentioned Shabat and, and Janet Kisa for Kenya as, as the people he expected to, to lead. And then on the Ethiopian side, um, the guy from their television and radio station, um, you know, he, he said, you know, Gannett Yalu, the Ethiopian champion, would be the, would, he thought would be the best. And then he mentioned Mahmoud Daskal, who has had a great year on the road. I mean, she ran 66-28 for a half marathon on February 13th. Um, which is pretty amazing. And then um, he also mentioned Sundari Kaferi, the, uh, she's run 404 for 1500, um, World Junior bronze medalist at 1500. So, I mean, they've just got a lot of talent on that team. Um, you know, one thing we didn't even mention was, well, I guess you did, was Ojira. I mean, she won the world's best 10K on March 1st. So one thing that I noticed that seemed a little bit different, you know, one of the things Coach Canova was complaining about was Ethiopian race go to a new year's eve race on december 31st because they wanted him in this camp and they didn't want him racing and they had him on the track and, and stuff like that and he actually thinks that you know you need a couple races to get race sharp um whereas some of these ethiopian women have been allowed to race you know Daska with that 66 28 and Algira at the world's best 10k i mean that's a, one of the world's most loaded road races so i i agree with john i, I think um you know ethiopia is the team debate. And, and one thing about Faith Kip Yogan, I mean, Canova said she definitely would have been the individual champion. He was just raving about her fitness. Uh, I think she, there was some talk that she might have had surgery, maybe she's about a stretch fracture, so I'm not really sure what the injury is, but um, definitely won't be here. Yeah, I think, you know, the the, the concept of racing before this w- would seem to help. And Olgera winning the world's best 10K shows she's in very good form. And the 66-28 half marathon by Mamito Daska is amazing, but you know, I don't I don't expect someone like that actually to win because she, she raced here in 2009 was 12th was eighth in 2010, 
so you know there's usually on a woman's side at least quite a difference between the tenth place person and the first place, and I expect her to do really well, but you know possibly not win and kind of you know we talked about the Ethiopian and Kenyan domination in the first two spots. But the, the good thing for the Americans and everyone else is that that third spot's you know wide open and really sh- ships a lot. Whereas you know the American men uh, you know have what the, the two medals in 12 years. The women medal in 2010 and then 2011 and then I think they had the third medal back in 2002 or something. And you know the U.S. women were fourth last time around. So you know there's a huge drop off after after the top two and that, and that kind of you know makes it interesting for him for that third spot and kind of what we alluded to with the on the men's side all of europe is pretty much you know waving white flag um what was it john out of the out of the top seven from last time who's how many are here only three and uh one of them is bahrain which you know isn't in europe and is basically you know a second team of kenyan slash ethiopians competing under the bahraini flag um they, they they were third, but they're not sending a team in the women's senior race. And then uh, in terms of the top women, you know, Great Britain, which was the European champions in 2014, they were uh, seventh in 2013 at uh, World Cross Country. They're not sending a team. Ireland and France were fifth and sixth at World Cross Country in 2013. They're not sending teams. So really, uh, when you take away... Top, I mean, Spain's still sending a team. They got silver at Euros, so they'll be in the mix. But when you take away the top European countries and when you consider that Eritrea doesn't have a team, Uganda's team isn't nearly as strong as its men, you know, that kind of leaves the U.S., uh, I guess, you know, kind of in the driver's seat in terms of uh, the position, you know, the battle for third place. There are a few other teams out there uh, that could factor in there, but I think the U.S. probably has the best chance of anyone on the women's side to uh, snag the bronze medal. I agree with you. Um, what, I don't know. I don't know who's on their team, but when I talked to Coach Canova, he he said with the women, maybe not. It depends on Uganda. It should be an African affair. So apparently, maybe Ugandan runners aren't known that well, but he, he was high on their chances. Um, you know, I thought John, you did a really good job in your three views. I'm pointing out that sort of to medal, you kind of need all four in the top 20. And let's talk about the, the U.S. individual chances. I mean, it seems like we probably maybe could – we have one that I would expect to be in the top 20, and then maybe somebody else could get up there. Like maybe two would be good for the team. I mean, when you talk to sort of a Jen Ryans or a Sarah Hall, it kind of sounds like they're hoping to somehow get up in the top 20, but to expect that is maybe not as realistic. But let's – John, or we should let Steve get back in on some of this. Who, who do you guys see as – Who's going to lead Team USA? Well, I mean, Sarah Hall is a very good cross-country runner, um, but she just ran her debut marathon. So I think it'd be asking a lot to, you know, expect her to surprise by being up there in the top 20 or anything crazy like that. Um, The marathon didn't end well for her. You know, she really fell off in the final miles. Uh, I posted on the message board at some point, like, you know, that could either help her or hurt her if you're trying to, I mean, we don't, you know, haven't talked to her, at least I haven't, um, as far as how she's feeling. But, you know, did, were those last miles, was she, you know, kind of packing it in or was she still, you know, pounding it out, grinding it out? So either, you know, maybe she didn't close quite as hard and, you know, a little bit fresher for this or maybe she, you know, beat the crap out of her legs and really nothing. Um, and then obviously Laura Tweet, you know, she's yeah. great at altitude um, in Boulder. So, 
you know, you'd expect her to definitely be someone that, you know, you would expect to be up there fighting for a top 20 spot. Yeah, I, I think that... Worth yeah, Steve, I mean, you may, you may, she could be the top non-African, um, considering how well she ran at the trials. She won that race by 31 seconds. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think she deserves a lot of props. I mean, this is this is her first first U.S. time in a U.S. uniform. I think at age 26, she's run 15:02, so she's not that far off some of these African women that have run 14:50. I mean, she's run 15:04 actually. You know, some of these 14:50 types. She won the U.S. trials by a ton section second um, two weeks ago in the Jacksonville 15K. So it's really exciting to see her. I mean, I, I think top 10 for her. I, I wanted to sit down with her yesterday. I just sort of bonked out. So hopefully I'm going to catch up with her today, maybe get the interview up tonight, which would be um, in the morning for you guys. So, you know, Laura Feet fans can catch up with her. Steve, you asked about Sarah Hall. I, I did sit down with her. I think the interview is up on the website, maybe in the women's preview. Um, you know, it was really interesting. She loved the marathon training, said she really enjoyed it, thought it went great, and then the race was a complete disaster. But she really thought that was just the downhill. It was a huge downhill at the start of L.A. She said her quads were just shot. And it, what, I didn't really quite ask her if she saved herself, but she said she just couldn't go that fast. So she said, you know, when she finished, if you asked her if she was going to be here, she would have said no way. She I said she actually talked to Coach James Lee, the uh, you know Arizona coach, who's the, the Team USA uh, coach here, and was, you know, saying like, okay, I'm thinking I may pull out. And he's like, well, it'd be really hard to get a visa, um, you know, at the last minute, which um, I, I can attest to. I got my visa less than 24 hours before coming. Um, so I barely made it myself. It's only supposed to take four business days, and you can actually supposedly rush it in one business day. But, you know, I, I almost didn't get on a plane here. But um, so because of that, she decided to, he's like, so why don't we just hold off and see what happens? And, she said she recovered really well. You know, she says the 26 miles isn't what tires you out. It's only the racing the 26 miles. I mean, you know, I, I used to run 30 miles in practice sometimes. That didn't wear me out. I was just in the middle of training. So at that slow pace that she was running, um, she said she's even had a couple workouts and feels good and is excited about it. But, you know, her, her top finish, at, at, she's been here at Worlds a couple times before, I think is only 26 in 2006. Um, that was the short course. So I'm not, that's what it's showing here. I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be hard. But, you know, one of the person that, that has been top 15 a couple times, I think she was 12th or 13th, was Jen Ryans. And it was really sort of inspiring to talk to the 40-year-old. I and mean, shit, she's my age, um, one year younger than me. And, and um, I said, how do you do it? I mean, her husband, Terrence Mahan, who's the, who's the big coach and used to coach Ryan Hall, you know, he, he quit running competitively over 15, over 10 years ago. She's like, well, you know, I just – stuck with it um and she's like gotten a fountain of youth this year i mean she said she hadn't run a cross country race in 10 years um and she hopped in you know she trained these younger runners like morgan eustony and some of them with the baa in boston and um she hopped in a a cross country workout with them in december or i think it was december maybe it was in the fall because they were gonna run mayor's cup and she said on the first rep she could barely stay with them but by the end she was just dominating the workout going really well so um, she realized she's just good on the grass and she's been, you know, on some of these teams that won silver before. And she said, it just sort of, it really motivated her to like, wow, I can make another U S team. So Laura three, you know, this is her first U S team. This is Jen Ryan's 15th U S team. I mean, she's a three time Olympian. Um, she said she might've been counting a couple Commonwealth games in there, but 15 times putting on the team USA uniform. And that is really, and really game impressive game. and really inspiring. Great. I mean, uh, 
goodwill, goodwill, goodwill games. I get I meant, not not Commonwealth well, games. Not going to have a goodwill game. She is how long her career goes. Games. Exactly. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, when I talked to her about her future, I mean, she didn't really think the Olympics next year were realistic. She said that, um, but if she does go for it or the world this year, it's going to be 5,000 on the track. I mean, she's, she's run like 227 in the marathon, but she said her success rate in the marathon is like two for, you know, you know, one out of seven races is a good one for her. So she said she's never liked it. She always liked the 5,000. So yeah, it was really sort of, you know, I mean, she, she started like she said in years past, she would just kind of pull a Derek and go out with the lead pack and try to hang on. And this year she's trying to hope, you know, hopefully somehow sneak her way into the top 20, but sort of do it by going out conservatively and picking off people from behind. Well, Laura, you know, Laura Sweet definitely, you know, is leading the team and has the altitude connection and should do tremendously well here. Maddie Super was second at the U.S. champs and she was 26 last time. So, you know, that's somebody who should, you know, definitely is thinking I'm in, I'm in the top 20 this time around. Um, brief, brief and medical running well, you know, so there's, it, it's a, definitely a solid team. And then you kind of throw in the interesting angles of Sarah Howell coming off the marathon two weeks ago and Jen Ryan's being 40 and, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting performance. Yeah. You, know, you know, the women, the women also, they sent their A team could be, could do tremendously, tremendously, I, but at the same time, you're not going to get any better than third. So. Yeah. I think one thing that's, worth noting about the women is that, you know, top 20, top 25 uh, is going to be a bit easier this time around than it was maybe in past years, just because you've got the absence of several of those teams that would have athletes competing in that spot. You know, Great Britain, they, they'll have a couple individuals, but they won't be scoring as a team. So, you know, you take out them, you take out Ireland, uh, right. take out a, a few teams like that. I think top finishing top 20 or top 25 is going to be more achievable than it might have been in the past just because the, the competition and the people in those spots on not all of them are going to be there. Good point. Yeah. Do, do they take out the non-scoring individuals like they do in the NCAA? I mean, to me, I've always said that's the wrong way to do it. I feel like everybody who runs the race should count the team scoring. That's actually going to hurt some of the African teams and you go one, two, and then, you know, if, if they take out the non-scoring individuals, it, it, that would certainly help the United States because we're obviously not going to be top heavy. I don't think they do. I, I looked at some of the results, and uh, I I don't think that they take out the non-scoring individuals. I think they score whatever place you finish in the race, that's how many points you score. So I think that's how they do it at World Cross. I think that's right, John. I kind of think that's what – I think that's the way it should be. I wish the NCAA would kind of go to that. But um, anyways, it's a topic for another day. So I think we should, you know – and with predictions here, but before we get to that, I think we want to turn to the, there's, you know, a death threat. There's a reason one guy wasn't here. So Robert or Steve, I think probably knows the most about this, but you know, it's Moses Kipsura of Uganda who wants to take a shot at explaining what happened there. Well, Rojo, have you heard anything, um, um, you know, while you're there? Well, yeah, I mean, it actually wasn't really, uh, I came on a plane with the Ugandan journalist, and Mutua Matoto of Kenya. Uh, it was actually funny at the airport. We were waiting. We waited for like an hour for our bus to leave. We said, well, "Who are we waiting for?" And they're like, "We're waiting for six members from Tanzania." And, the, and these two black guys, one from Uganda, one from, from uh, Tanzania, was like, "Um, there was nobody from Tanzania on our plane." They're like, "Well, how do you know?" And they're like, "Well, there was only two black 
guys on the plane. So I let them say it, so I didn't have to say it. But um, anyway, it wasn't the Uganda journalist. It was Mutori from Kenya, and he was like, you know, that was sort of the buzz in the press room yesterday. They're like, oh, Moses Katsuro has refused to come. And, um, you know, they're trying to figure out, and there was this death threat. And I was actually the one that kind of pointed out, I mean, there's a real backstory there with Moses Kipsura. I mean, he exposed, you know, last year made the allegation that the, um, you know, some of the women came out and he supported them, that the, one of the team coaches or managers was having sex, basically raping these teenage runners and trying to get them pregnant and forcing them to have abortions. I mean, really, really despicable stuff. And Kipsura exposed this. And Uganda tried to, to, to retaliate against him, and believe it or not, and not take him to the Commonwealth Games where he was defending champion and eventually got went there, I think, won the 10 Um And, you know, I was seeing this yesterday. I'm like, look, you know, he's saying he, he's getting a death threat. In my mind, this guy, first of all, doesn't want to come. I mean, it may be that Uganda doesn't want him to come, you know, and they're making some excuse, and this is why he's not here. If that's the case, that's despicable. But if, if Kipsura just doesn't want to come because he wants to screw them over, he can do whatever the hell he wants. In my mind, this guy is a hero. It's one of the great untold stories. I mean, this guy should be focused on ESPN outside the lines or something. I mean, it's really easy to, you know, to sit by and just let the powers that be. I mean, whether it's, you know, money's on the line. And all the time, people in America sit quiet on doping and don't want to expose things. And, you know, they're part of a group and they don't want to talk up and blah, 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 blah. This is a guy that went out and, and laid his reputation on the line, and I don't know if I had something to say with him about that, but when I mentioned that sort of the IWF, people are like, oh, yeah, we hadn't we've sort of forgotten about that. So I don't know if the full story is coming here. I mean, if you've got a death threat, people are saying something about the, Kenya, about the Uganda police being involved with the team. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it would be safer, certainly. I, trust me, he ain't getting killed in China. If anywhere he's going to get killed, it's going to be you know, in Uganda, but maybe someone <laughs> made a threat to his family. I, I don't know. The, the details haven't really come out. I, I, I highly doubt that this is something where he made up some excuse because he didn't want to race. Um, you know, he could easily have said he was injured or something like that, much much less dramatic. Uh, so I definitely believe that, you know, he received this threat. Uh, I don't see why else he would he would claim that. Uh, he, like you said, he's a, I mean, he's a great athlete. He's someone who, you know, he really loves representing Uganda. He is always there at the major championships. Um, you know, and you kind of get this Kenyan-Ethiopia dominance, you know, once in a while, you get a guy from Uganda sneaking in there, like Stephen Kipritich in the marathon, uh, and Moses Kipchero. He's the guy that does that in cross country and in, on the track as well. Uh, so you know, he's someone I like to, you know, I really like to see in the meets. Um, and you know, I'm sorry he's not going to be there. But uh, like you said, I, I don't think he has anything left to prove. Um, if he didn't want to go, then you know that's fair. And. You know, Moses not really being there. You got his best runner, I think, on paper. I mean, or at least historically, he's been. John, you know, how, how would you say that affects Uganda's chances? I mean, from a the team perspective, it definitely helps the Americans get closer to the medal stand. Yeah, it, I mean, he's been in the top four in this race uh, three times, and he was fourth in the lost in the lost one. And, you know, Uganda, if you look at that team, it's him and Timothy Trojtich with sort of their low sticks. They were both, they were fourth and fifth in 2013. But their problem was last time out that I think that fourth guy was in around 40th or something. And they ended up, uh, they weren't really that close to meddling because of that. So um, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously the circumstance of why he's not in China is uh, distressing, but, in terms of that, the, the impact on the team, it hurts them because they also 
they had only entered five guys in the race, and he was one of them. So now they're down to four. So if some guy has an off day or drops out, you know, they're looking at maybe not even posting a team score. So uh, I, I think, you know, I think it would have been relatively close between them and Eritrea as the favorites for the third spot. And now you look at it, they're one bad race away from, you know, really plummeting down the standings. Yeah, I think it really pretty much, I mean, any team, you take up their top guy and make them replace it with the fifth, it's going to really hurt their chances. Right. And they, you know, they don't have any room for someone to mess up. And it's cross country. You know, you usually someone on a team has a bad day. That's why NCAA you have seven. Well, I think we could talk forever, but I think, you know, speaking of chances, we should just come out with everybody should sort of give their team and individual predictions. Maybe we should just go, we haven't even had time, you know, to talk about juniors or anything like that. We'll just do the senior races. Let's do women first, and then we'll end with the men. Um, Rojo, you want to kick it off? Or I'll, I'll go first. Women's race, I'm going to go with Emily Chibet for the win. She's, you know, won here twice. You know, she was only 14th at the Kenyan Championships, but there's a reason she's won twice. She's very good at cross country. And I'm going to go with the Ethiopian women. Rojo, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, everyone keeps saying Shabbat, but I'm a little bit hesitant to pick her. I don't know who else I'd pick, so I guess I'll go with that. She would be the fifth, only the fifth three-time champion um, on the women's side. I definitely think Ethiopia women team, women's team are going to win. Um, and I'd like to see, like to think that Laura can get in the top ten for the USA. John, you know, I, I, I was thinking about taking Tibet, but, you know, I, I do wonder perhaps there's something to do with the altitude. Maybe she doesn't handle it as well as some of the other Kenyans. And I know this is weird to say of a Kenyan, but she's run much better at Worlds than she has at the trials. Uh, and she ran well at her race this year at sea, at sea level. So I'm gonna, because the championships are out, at altitude, I'm going to call um, – in Ethiopia, I'm going to go to Belenish Algira. I think winning the world's best 10K was very impressive. She was third two years ago, and uh, I think she will lead the Ethiopian women to a victory. Steve, you got any thoughts? Well, as far as the team titles go, uh, you know, I'm going for an Ethiopian sweep of the gold medals, and uh, you know, I, I think it, I think it could happen—a U.S. sweep of the bronze medals. Uh, which leaves, I guess, Kenyon in the silver. And uh, as far as the individual competition goes, you know, I I, I think Emily Trebek, you know, she could do it. I think she could still win. Uh, you know, she tends, it seems that she, you know, she's definitely on the upswing because you know, something we didn't mention, maybe it was mentioned in the preview, you know, she shouldn't even made the Kenyan National Championships because at, at her regional meet, uh, she did, terrible. I think she might have even dropped out. I can't remember specifically. Um, but she definitely didn't qualify for the Nationals on, based on that performance. And then at Nationals, she was you know, 14th. So I think she's definitely on the upswing, and she's a two-time champion. So, you know, if I was going to bet on the trace, I'd definitely pick her. All right, turning to the, you know, team Steve did the men's races, but sort of turning to the men's race um I guess oh, sorry, I, I, I can go. I can go. I can go first. 
I don't know if we mentioned this guy's name, Tecumarian Medin. He's the guy who slept in the uh, airport from, I guess, two years ago and was third or was he second two years ago? I know he's been third and second. He's been third and second. Uh, he's kind of unheralded guy, kind of like the Chris Derrick of uh, Africa. So I'm going to pick him as your Budweiser long shot from the old ESPN racing show. They used to always have a Budweiser long shot. I'm going to pick him for the win. Although, you know, if it wasn't him, I might say beating karaoke. And I'm obviously, not obviously, but I'm going to go with the Kenyan men. You know, they've dominated this race more than anyone else. So when I'm when there's doubt, go with Kenya. Rojo. Uh, let John go first. I'm looking up something real quick. Alright. Uh, Man, John, John didn't I, need to research this. He's got it in his brain. John. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to take Kenya for the gold in the men's race. Uh, like you said, they've just got a history of running really well at this race. I think they're going to be a little embarrassed. I mean, even though it's a totally different team than it was in 2013, I think they're going to be a little embarrassed by that performance when they lost the Americans. They're going to come back with a vengeance. So I think Kenya will win the men's team race. Uh, in terms of individuals, I think it will also be a Kenyan. Um, but on Kuroki, you know, he's won the last two Kenyan cross-country championships. The guy was, you know, phenomenal last year at every surface he ran on. Um, so he is my pick for the individual title. The time, the, research, the time for research is is over. I mean, you're out, you're on site. You've had time. I was to trying interviews. to, you know, I was trying to make a pick, and I was trying to make myself look really smart and make a pick in the junior girls race. Looking up <laughs> <laughs> some things on on uh, kilosculpture and all athletics, but I'm not even sure if this girl's in the race. Her name's Taganyu Woldu, but um, oh yeah, she is. That's my pick for the junior girls race is Taganye Woldu. She's 18. She just won the African junior 5,000-meter championship. So you heard it here first. Um, I thought she beat Emily Chabat, but apparently there was another girl named Emily Chabat from Uganda. So, <laughs> um, I noticed that, yeah. But in terms of the, uh, in terms of the men's race, um, I, I, I guess – you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I, I, I got to go with the guy that, that makes me money. Renato Canova's post of the years has been very popular. So since he told me that Barsetan is, is really good with Kenya in the mud, and, you know, the fact that he – seriously, I remember last year, when we, well, two years ago when we were here, we thought Hagos – I mean, I honestly thought Hagos who won the junior race should win the senior race. And he was pushed to the line by Barsetan in, in that race. So he's a mudder. Um, Canova wasn't high at all in the Ethiopians. I mean, they've got great 5,000 PRs, but it sounds like they've been training entirely wrong. This isn't a 5,000 on the track. This is a 12,000 on the grass. So I'm going to go with Barsata in Kenya. Um, and, and the men's thing, um, I don't think Derek can medal. Um, you know, I think that he can be top 10. That would be a good performance for him. But um, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think that Team USA medals in either event. I think we're going to get probably fourth behind Eritrea. Um, I'd love to see Medin get up there. Well done. I love that pick for gold. I mean, he was such an inspiring story. I think a lot of these African people are just, oh, another African. Nobody wants to pay attention to them when they've got, you know, amazing stories. I mean, the hardships they overcome, I mean, I, I'm tired as hell. I mean, literally when I was interviewing Chris Jarrett, he had to help me, like, when we were talking off camera, keep my train of thought. Like, he would say, what were you saying? And <laughs> it was kind of funny because I was so tired. But, you know, Kenya got here 
five or six hours after I did after traveling all night. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, I would definitely, I'm starting to feel okay today, but, uh, to those guys, you know, sleeping in the airport, it's crazy. So it should be exciting. I mean, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I think that, um, I'm hoping you guys can put up a poll. Maybe, you know, does, uh, you know, maybe does the U S medal, you know, who wins Kenya, Ethiopia, or something like that, or who, who's the senior men's champion, maybe three polls, something like that. So, we can get the fans to vote. I think that uh, it's time for everybody to, to make their picks and make their predictions. Yeah, it should be a great weekend. And in addition to the World Cross Country, we got John going off to the 25th anniversary of the Carlsbad 5,000 meters. Anniversary. 30, oh, well, excuse me. The race is flying them out there, full disclosure. It should be a great weekend. And, um, you know, we're going to have it all covered on, on Let's Run. And, you know, be sure to check out the side event, read the previews, and we've got, if you enjoyed the Renato Canova stuff and the Chris Derrick, we have full interviews up with them. Robert will have more on-site stuff before the races, and obviously, you know, great uh, post-race coverage as well. We didn't have time to uh, plug our sponsor, Puritan's Pride L-Carnitine Carnitine Complex, all your carnitine, L-Carnitine needs. Um, they're, the, they're the best. Um, Derek actually... Uh, did talk a little bit about L-carnitine if, if, if you're into that stuff. Um, Robert, John, Steve, this was fun. We need to do it more often. Thank you guys. Um, you know, tra- track talk is, is back. It's been a little over a year, but I, I appreciate it. Any, any parting words? Uh, well, I, I just never made my individual pick for the men. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Mukhtar Edris from Ethiopia. Uh, he's just done really well on the circuit this year. So, there you go. There you go. It's official. We've got many multiple different picks. John, you got one one final thing? Oh, I was just saying we got four different picks in the men's individual race. Race. So, uh, we one of us better get it right, or uh, what's the point of running this site if we can't get it with uh, four picks? It's cross country, John. Anything can happen. So, can't be can't be faulted too much for that. That's yeah, what makes this race great. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody in the world picked Josh at Correo uh, two years Not ago. Not the race. That's I know, but Robert saying nobody, yeah. nobody picked him to win. So it, it should be a great one. And you know, the world's greatest foot race might have lost some of its luster, but we hope you guys are waking up at or staying up, you know, past midnight to watch it on the East Coast. Oh, the race will be on the stream. It'll be on tape delay on Universal Sports on Sunday at noon. We're assuming, you know, check out the Electron message boards. Someone's going to find a, a live stream of it. Um, and it might be on Universal Sports as well. Uh, midnight, Friday night. So, you know, very few guys. You go going out tomorrow night anyway. So make it a night with your computer. And we thank you guys for supporting Let's Run and have a good night. Thank you.